Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 833. Go for it. If you have an opportunity, go for it and give it your best shot. And uh, sometimes you'll make it and sometimes you won't. And if you don't, you just pick it up, dust yourself off, and uh, try again. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dave Friedman. Hey, Dave. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. Here we go. Dave Friedman is a world-renowned photographer and motion picture still photographer known for his photographs of celebrities, cinema, racing, and classic ballet. In 1962, he became the company photographer for Shelby America, capturing some of the biggest icons in racing. And then he went on to work on the Ford Lamar Racing Program in 1966. His first venture into motion pictures was working on the movie The Sound of Music. I remember seeing that as a little boy. <laughs> he went on to work on movies including Dr. Doolittle, The Sand Pebbles, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, one of my favorites, Hello Dolly, and Tora, Tora, Tora. Dave has captured many of the major stars in motion pictures and television, and in 1986, he was the first and only still photographer to be voted into the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences. Congratulations for that. He authored and co-authored over 30 books on motorsports and recently completed a book for Warner Brothers titled Enter the Dragon. I remember that movie too. So Dave, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment before we jump into the questions and share a little bit more about your very long and illustrative career and your passion for automobiles? Well, actually, uh, my passion for automobiles and racing uh, started years ago when I used to go to Gilmore Stadium with my father to see the midgets run every Thursday night. And then uh, when I was in high school, some of my friends uh, liked to go to the sports car races. So I went a couple of times with them, and I realized, you know, there's a better way to see the race than standing behind the fence. <laughs> yes. And that's getting out and standing out in front of the fence. Yeah. So that's when I started taking pictures and um, standing out in front of the fence. Wow. Wow. Well, that's going way, way back. And then you got involved with Shelby America. How cool was that? Yep. That was uh, one of the highlights of my life. No doubt. Very, very cool. We're going to learn a lot more about your story and your life as we move through the questions. But first, as we continue on this automotive journey that is Dave Friedman, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning or the camera shutter clicking here on Cars, yeah? So, Dave, take the wheel. Well, I was taught many years ago, I was told by a very famous Pulitzer Prize newspaper photographer, there's no excuse for not getting a shot. <laughs> and that I've lived by that in the, all my careers. You can always improvise and find a way to do it if you, if you want to do it. If you want to get it done, you can always do it. You just sometimes you have to think. Well, can you give us a, maybe one example of where that came true? I mean, you've worked in so many 
scenarios. You've worked on all these movies. You've been to all these races. But can you can you cite one example where y- you really had to go over the top to get that shot? Well, the first time that I was ever asked to come down to Shelby when they were building the very first Cobra in February 1962, T. Colgate, who was the uh, PR manager for Carol Shelby at the time, uh, had asked me to come down and uh, earn $25 for uh, taking some pictures. <laughs> so I went down to Dean, Dean Moon's shop in uh, Santa Fe Springs, California, and uh, they were building the first Cobra in there, and uh, nobody knew what it was. The lighting was terrible, and I they said, go to it. Okay. So I had my old Roloflex camera, and uh, I got up on a, a ladder, held it up over my head, and clicked away. Wow. And uh, for some reason, somehow, they actually came out. <laughs> Both of them. Wow. That must have been something. I mean, when you think of where Cobra has come to this day and the iconic nature of that brand, it must give you almost goosebumps to realize you were there witnessing and photographing the very first one. And nobody knew if the damn thing was going to run. <laughs> of course. Of course. Wow. What a story. Well, that is pretty spectacular. Well, let's go back and have you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you were growing up when you knew that you were indeed a car guy? Well, really, when I started going to the races with my friends um, when I was in high school, and uh, that was uh, when I was a junior in high school in 1955, uh, we... uh, we used to go out to Paramount Ranch in Pomona and uh, and watch the races out there. That's when I discovered it's better to be on the other side of the fence <laughs> yeah. where there were less people and, you know, it was much easier and better to do. Well, back in those days, uh, safety wasn't as big a consideration, so I would assume you got really close to some of these cars. Well... You know, a lot of safety, as far as I'm concerned, is all PC crap because it, some of it is just unnecessary. You know, it's overkill. But uh, I loved it when we were, you know, you sign off on a pass, you sign off a waiver, and you could go out and get creative and do what you wanted to. You didn't have to stand behind a fence and shoot through a hole with 20 other guys. And and you could be creative. You could go out on the track. You could do what you wanted. You could pick your spot. If you had the pass, you did the job. And uh, that's not always true today. No, I think back then, too, being careful was your responsibility. Hello? Yeah, you know what? It's called common sense. <laughs> yes. And a lot of people don't have that anymore. Yeah. You know, you don't run out in the middle of the track. You can get killed out there. You know, if there's a car coming, you know, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. You use your head, uh, which, you know, today a lot of people don't do anymore because, you know, they're all uh, herded around and you don't, you have people supposedly thinking for you. 
There you That's go. What they do, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Think for yourself. Great words of wisdom. Well, Dave, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many, many roads you've driven down. Look at your career and talk about a big challenge that you faced during that time. Kind of take us to that point in time. Walk us through it. But again, what did that experience teach you so that you could take that knowledge and move forward? Well, when I went to work for Shelby, I was one of the young guys that he hired and uh, gave an opportunity to, because I was basically unknown at the time. I'd done some things, but basically I was. And uh, he gave me an opportunity, like he gave so many young guys an opportunity. And, uh, you know, I was uh, a department of one. I was earning a, a whopping $50 a week. There you go. A dollar a print for every print I made. Wow. Which were quite a few, actually. And, um, you know, I had to build my own dark room. I had an old converted ladies' bathroom. And I had no, it had, it had plumbing, period. <laughs> but it did, there was, there was no air conditioning, no, uh, you know, uh, it was, it, it'd drive you out of there. And that was where my office and dark room was. And I, I had the job and the responsibility to do it all. Wow. So the, therefore, I learned it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a great lesson. Everybody who worked at Venice in uh, for Shelby American had lots of life lessons. And we all had many life lessons. And um, we learned how to... Uh, how to be men, really? How to how to take care of ourselves and 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 get get the job done. That was what it counted. Get the job done. Absolutely. You know, when people think about Shelby and Cobra today, they think of this big giant company and everything so fancy. But back in those days, things were pretty rough and rustic. I had Peter Brock as a guest here on Cars, yeah, and he talked about the the situation and conditions working on the the Tona Coops, and it wasn't as fancy as people think of it today. It was pretty rough and shod. And I, for you and your dark room, every time the ladies had to use the bathroom, they kicked you out of your office, eh? No, no. <laughs> Mine was a spare lady's bathroom. Oh, good. Okay. And that, that's how I got it. Okay. But uh, one of the problems I had was Shelby was was mesmerized by the fact that I could stick a piece of paper in, in some chemicals and a print would come up. He was mesmerized by that. He used to love to come over and watch me work. Oh, yeah. And when, I, when, you wa- when he came over to watch the work, it was yak, yak, yak. <laughs> and uh, I realized, like, uh, if I want to get anything done, I'm going to come here and work at night ah. when nobody's around. <laughs> so uh, what a fun inside story. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. That's pretty cool. Well, you got her done. That's the whole thing there. You talk about Peter Brock and the Daytona Coupe. I was on that project. I photographed that project from day one. Wow. Until we actually ran the car. And at Daytona in 1964 and beyond. And um, I think I'm the only one that has the whole history of that car on film. 
Wow. Very, very cool. What a cool story. Well, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to talk about a career aha moment. And I know at one point in your career, you decided to get into the motion picture industry, rather. That was a a new direction you took. But is there an aha moment that you'd like to share with us that you uh, kind of moved into a new direction along the way? Well, what happened was when the uh, Cobra program was being phased out, in uh, 1960, late part of 1964, I mean, I could see what was happening. And um, they were phasing that part out of it, the 289 Cobras. And there was talk about moving to LAX and moving away from Venice and, and all that. And to me, Venice was Shelby American. And to all of us who worked there, exactly that's what it was. So I figured, you know, maybe I better start looking around for other opportunities. So I did. And um, my father and mother had both worked in the industry. My father since 1919. So at that time, when you worked in the movie industry and you're breaking in, you didn't work every day. It was kind of a part-time job. Mm. You know, you'd work a day here, a day there two or three days here, you know, a week here, and so on and so forth. So I kept my job at Shelby, which was at a part-time, and I kept my job in the movie industry at part-time. And um, so when I went over to 20th Century Fox on a one-day call one time, and they put me on the the last part of The Sound of Music, you know, I, I I often like to say I went over there on a one day call. And I stayed for five years. Oh my gosh! And uh, <laughs> I learned. I'll tell you. You talk about an education. I got an education. You can't get in school. Yeah. No way. No how. Yeah. And learning from the masters and the guys that have been there since the twenties and uh, before. These guys really knew. Really knew. And uh, what you learn from them, you can't buy any. Wow. What an experience. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I learned at Shelby American, too. I learned a lot there. I taught myself. But, uh, you know, the, it was the beauty of working for Shelby was that he didn't micromanage anybody. He hired you to do a job, and he expected you to do it. Uh, he didn't stand over you with a with a stick and say, get it, you know, he just get it done. But, you know, he didn't pressure you or anything else. He expected it to get done. He was really good about that. And, uh, you know, uh, he had great affection for all the people that worked for him there at Venice. Mm-hmm. It was a small company. We had maybe 50 or 60 employees. And um, it was amazing how much work got done there. A lot of passionate people doing what they loved, I think, was the answer to that. It was passionate people. And you know what? The one thing that was pretty incredible was most of the people were high school kids. Wow. Uh, just out of high school. They graduated, and they built auto shop classes. And uh, you had all these kids come in there, and 17, 18-year-old kids. And he put the future of his company in the hands of a bunch of teens. Teenagers. Wow. And I'm not sure you do that today. Yeah. But uh, he did. Yeah. And um, they all cared and they they did their job. 
Wow. And uh, it was a pretty amazing. Yeah, it sounds incredible. Well, how about a proudest career or business moment? I would assume you've had many, all the things you've gotten your hands on, but is there one that makes you feel really special? Well, there are a lot of them. I mean, a lot of the movies I worked on were uh, pretty special. And, uh, you know, all the projects I worked at Shelby, worked on Shelby's and photographed there were special. I mean, I, I look back and I photographed the first Cobra, the, the 260 Cobra. I photographed the first 289s. I photographed the Daytona Coupe being built, the King Cobra being built. I photographed uh, the first Mustang TT350s being built. I mean... And, of course, then you never realized what you were doing. But, you know, it became the point where where they became historic. Wow. Incredible. What fun to be there. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time into your history. I'd love for you to share a story about the first really special car that you had and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. <laughs> well, I, I tell you one about the one I didn't have. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was working at Shelby, you know, we used to always be able to go over to the sales department, get a set of keys, and take one of the cars for a weekend. Oh, wow. And so we we all used to do that. And the uh, beauty of that is nobody ever wrecked them. It was never a problem. And that's why it continued there. Mm-hmm. And so we used to uh, take these cars for the weekend. And, and uh, you know, I used to take friends for rides. Some of them fainted, but, you know, they, they, you know, I took my girlfriend many times for a ride and she loved it. But I went to my dad and I asked him, I said, you know, the the cars were selling at that time for $5,900. And I went to my dad and I said, dad, would you loan me 6,000 bucks so I can buy one of these things? And he looks at me and he goes, what do you want with that piece of shit? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, sometimes dads are wise and sometimes it's hard yeah. to see the future. Well, he, that wasn't one of his better decisions because <laughs> that would have been a lot. Two million bucks now. So, Oh, my yeah. gosh. Well, we'll just uh, we'll just let that one pass. Well, speaking <laughs> of seller's remorse, is there a vehicle that you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back? No, not really. No? That I don't have. Hmm. The vehicle that I wish I had would have been that Cobra. Yeah, but, yes, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, or one of those Daytonas after they were done racing it. That would have been nice to no, pick I, up too. No, I didn't want one of those. No, they were terrible cars. We didn't want. They were terrible. Uh oh, they were terrible to drive. They were, they were, they had no. The airflow in them was hot. They were hot. Yeah. They were miserable. They were noisy. They were not good cars. They were race cars. Right. They were not. Anywhere near a streetcar, no. There you go. Well, let's talk about today, Dave. What are you working on right now that has you really excited? Well, I just finished a new book called uh, Shelby American Up Close and Behind the Scenes, The Venice Years. Wow. And uh, from 62 to to, uh, 1965. I just got a week or so ago. I got the first copy. The book's going to be available on the 9th of September oh, or the 1st of September. Uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm doing a book launch on the night here in Irvine. 
So a lot of cars and a lot of people. So it'll be nice. Now, who's the who's the publisher? The Motorbooks. Motorbooks, of course. Yeah, they make all the great ones. Wow. Well, how exciting is that? How long have you been working on that book? I put about a year into this. Wow. But the, the thing about this, I've done several books about Shelby American before, and they've always been very popular, and they've always done very well. But no book that I've ever done until this one has always all the books I've done has always been missing something mm-hmm. that we didn't finish, that I didn't have. And that was pictures of the first GT350s being built in our Carter Street shop when they, they stopped building the Cobra. Mm. And um, somewhere along the way, after I left Shelby American, those negatives were stolen. Oh. And um, they've never reappeared. It was a chance meeting that I had with one of the former employees that he produced all these prints that I'd made years ago of the cars being built. And I go, can I have those scanned? And he said, absolutely. He gave wow. them to me. They all had my stamp on the back. You know, they were first generation prints. Yeah. And um, so I had them all scanned. And that way, I wound up with 50 prints of the original GT350s being built, which I never would have had. So basically, I was able to incorporate that lost part of uh, the Venice story. Wow. How fortuitous was that? First 50 cars, Mustang GT350s, were built in Venice from uh, 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 November 64 through uh, March of 65. So it was a very crowded, very busy area when when they were doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, again, these guys did an amazing job. To say, I don't think the safety commission would want to see it, but, um, <laughs> you know, they're all, it was like, uh, get the thing done and do it. And uh, they did it. You know, let it all hang out. Nobody got killed. Nobody got hurt. And um, we all had fun doing it. And the guys loved loved their jobs. But uh, this book incorporates that missing link of the Venice uh, story. And uh, I'm very glad that it does because it's the first complete book of uh, Shelby American's early years that's ever been done. Very nice. And what's the title of that book again? It's uh, Shelby American Up Close and Behind the Scenes, uh, The Venice Years, 1962-1965. There you go. Well, I'll make sure that I contact my good friends at Motorbooks. And what we'll do is we're going to uh, do a book giveaway here on Cars Yeah when that book's available. So my listeners out there, make sure you subscribe on the Cars Yeah website. I'm sure they're going to send me a copy of that. I'll forward it to the winner, the person whose name I draw to get that book when it's first available. Very, very cool. What a fortuitous meeting to get those images back. Well, Dave, here's a very introspective question for you. If Dave was a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I'd probably be a Cobra <laughs> just because, you know, I go out there and just 
beat everything on the street. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I love it, Dave. I think you are a Cobra for sure. Well, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kid spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Dave, we are back, and we're ending what I call the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Stay away from the cops. (laughs) Stay away from what? The cops. The cops. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, stay away from the cops. That's a funny one. First time I've heard that one here. I'll tell you what. Whenever we were driving a Cobra, they always like them. Yeah. And they would always pull you over. Oh, yeah. Because uh, they want to look at the car. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, they'd pull you over because you were going a little fast. But, uh, you know. Yeah. They wanted to learn more about those cool-looking cars. Now, would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the year? <sighs> well, just be professional and... uh Pay attention to what you're doing and uh, get the job done in a a professional manner. And uh, that's what I do. That's what you do. Every day. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources these days, but is there one in particular you really like? You know, I've gone on the web to look up a lot of stuff, and I'm amazed at how much bad information is out there. Uh, yes, caveat emptor. <laughs> I look at some of these Shelby websites and some of the information that's up there, and I'm going, huh? <laughs> I never saw that, and I was there. Yeah. And and they have, you've got all these people 
who weren't born then who are experts and and they've read and they've heard but they are you know they're not first hand you know that information should come first hand yeah and i know there's not too many of us left but there are enough left that'll give you that information if you ask there you go now if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or field living or deceased who would that person be most likely Shelby. Mm. I I had many drinks with him and many <laughs> meals. Yeah, yeah, you were one of the lucky guys. Right up to the last. We used to meet every week um, in his office and have lunch. Nice. Uh, he'd do chili in, in his office. Yeah, we used to do that all the time. Wow, very Feminist cool. And, now, how about a book? I know this new book of yours is one that we're going to be promoting here to our listeners on Cars Yeah. We'll be doing a book giveaway, but is there another book you'd like to uh, refer to the Cars Yeah listeners? Well, the one that I did last year um, that I was involved with, co, co- uh, co-authored with uh, Preston Learner on uh, Ford GT. We we did this book on the Ford GT, and uh, it was the... Uh, MPG uh, Book of the Year. Wow. So we were pretty proud of that. What's the title of that book? Ford GT, How Ford Silenced the Critics, Humbled Ferrari, and Conquered Le Mans. There you go. Very, very nice. Now, is that is that also published by Motor Books? Yeah, that book's available. Well, listeners, I'll remind you that you can find links to all these great resources Dave has shared on his show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type Dave Friedman into the search bar, and you'll find links to that book, his upcoming book, and all the great things that he's talked about with us today. All right, Dave, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world. Money is no object. Whatever you'd like, I'm going to buy it for you. What would that car be and why? Well, I'd again, I'd have to say a 289 Cobra. <laughs> that was to me and, and to everybody who worked there, the epitome of the Cobra experience. I mean, people talk about 427s. They were terrible. We hated them. The guys who worked in the shop, like the 289, and the 289 Cobra is what built the company. Mm-hmm. They they won all the races. They won the world championship. They won all. They were involved in every major race that we won. And uh, the 427 won nothing. And uh, but you know people made a big deal out of it, like it's a real, you know, uh, uh, treasure. Yeah, <laughs> and if you ever go one, you'd know they weren't. Um, um, Sometimes bigger is not better when it comes to those kinds of things. No, no, it wasn't. You know, there's a whole story about that too. But uh, yeah, uh, that car was actually supposed to be a 390, not a 427. Ah, okay, very cool. Now, what color would you like your Cobra to be? Green. Green. That's oh. the one I wanted. It was green. With a fun base interior. Nice. And that's the one I liked. Because I, I went around, I photographed every car for the sales department, every car we ever built, not er, one each of all the colors. Wow. Because they wanted samples of all the colors for their 
books that they used to take around to dealers and sure. things like that. Yeah. Had all of dealers, all of, all of photographs. And so I photographed them all. And that was the one I always thought myself was the richest combination. You know, the one I liked. Very nice. Some people liked the red ones and, you know, depends. Well, if only Dad had loaned you that $6,000. Darn, Darn it. Hey, listen. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, being a dad, I think I understand his reasons when you think back. So who'd have thought? Who'd well, have thought? He had, he had, you know, I had a very different upbringing and uh, he was a good guy in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from him. And, uh, but there's some areas. He was lacking, and that was one. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Dave, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and talking with you today. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 289 Cobra, in green, of course? Well, parting shot was, you know, go for it. If you have an opportunity, go for it and give it your best shot. And uh, sometimes you'll make it and sometimes you won't. And if you don't, you just pick it up and uh, dust yourself off and uh, try again. Ah, Great advice. Great wisdom from a man who's been there and done that. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with what you're doing these days? Do you have a website? I have one being built. Cool. But I don't right now. All right. Well, you let me know when that website is up. I'll make sure I post it on your show notes page. Is it something you think will be done this year? Possibly. Possibly. Okay. Well, (laughs) listeners, again, I will make sure that when Dave's website is up, um, I'll stay in touch with him. I'll make sure I let you guys know on my social followings that that site is available. I think it'll be a place to go to that is very, very cool. Dave, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. And my pleasure. Thank you very much. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!